0: Following conversation with Jacob Foster and Thomas Sunetta about the new Amalgamated Transit Union contract at Cascade East Transit, originally aired May 11, 2018, on The Radical Songbook on KPOV 88.9 FM High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. The Radical Songbook is hosted by Michael Funky. It is a two hour show highlighting the role. The music plays in social justice and protest, and it airs Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Got some guests here in the studio with me, and uh, we're going to be talking about a, a union, a really significant union victory here in Central Oregon that uh, I don't think you're going to hear too much about anywhere else. Uh and uh, Jacob Foster and Thomas Sunetta, thanks for coming in, guys. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, Thank you. step right up to that those mics there, so that uh, everybody can hear you. So, uh, and J- Jacob, you are the chief steward for Local Seven Five Seven here, representing the workers at Cascade East Transit.
1: Yes, correct. Uh, union liaison for the COIC
0: group. Great, and Thomas, I'm the shop steward for the COC unit. Um, and that's what you call it, the COIC unit? Is right. Is that how you refer to it? Uh, correct. Well,
1: uh, Cascades East Transit is actually run by right. COIC, right. so that's our employer. We just do business right. as Cascades so, East as Transit.
0: As, as far as riders are concern, concerned, it is Cascade East Transit. They don't know COIC. That, that, exactly. Yep, yeah, there is that right. disconnect. It's
2: the Central Oregon Intergovernmental Council for right. folks who don't know. Yeah, yeah.
0: So um, – just a little bit of background here. Local 757, they just negotiated a new contract, as I said, that significantly raises the wages of cascades transit workers. And it all happened while they were beating back an effort to uh, decertify or get rid of the union. So, yeah, a little history first before we uh, delve into the current situation. Um, it was about 12 years ago uh, that um, – after several years of really community demands and, and debate at City Hall, that the City of Bend finally launched uh, what became known as BAT, B- B- Bend Area Transit, and it was an expansion of their Dialeride services that the city offered through a subcontractor uh, known as Paratransit paratransit. Not long after BAT started up, bus drivers there decided that they needed a union. Some of them had actually had previously worked under union contracts in other jobs. They reached out to the Amalgamated Transit Union Local 757, which represents bus drivers and other workers at TriMet in Portland, as well as workers in smaller communities around the state. And they also reached out to Central Oregon Jobs with Justice to build a community campaign in support of the union drive. And in the interest of full disclosure, I was the organizer for Jobs with Justice back then and was able to work on that campaign, which was really gratifying. Um, paratransit really strongly resisted this union drive they disciplined and fired work drivers they did their best to divide the workforce the city council and in Bend initially took a hands off approach essentially saying that's the subcontractors business not our business but eventually the council was forced to weigh in and a majority of the council voted or, or uh, actually urged paratransit to accept a union election so an election was held the workers won then they had to fight off a tran- uh, paratransit. Chan- sent a- they basically protested, contested the election results with the National Labor Relations Board. There was a hearing here in Bend. Workers won that hearing. Uh, the paratransit said, we're going to take it to the national NLRB, which was really just a way of saying they knew they weren't going to win it. They were just basically uh, doing that to delay the end results. Workers countered with a local rally that included support, included support from local unions and elected officials. Other transit workers from around the state came to bend for that rally. Governor Gowski the governor of Oregon at the time, sent a message of support. U.S. Senator Ron Wyden sent a message of support. State Senator Ben Westland was there. We had a lot of, there was a lot of um, political support. And paratransit Saw the writing on the wall, I guess you'd say, and withdrew their their objections to the union victory, and eventually agreed to negotiate with the union It was a long first contracts are always really a long struggle for unions, but eventually uh, they were able to ratify their first contract that was sometime in two thousand and seven two thousand and eight i didn 't go out i didn 't go home and dig up my notes about this stuff. this is all kind of from memory, so I think it's pretty close to accurate in the meantime. Central Oregon Intergovernmental Council, as Thomas mentioned, COIC. They're an agency that represents that's put together by a lot of local governments, city, city and county governments, and other other agencies in in Central Oregon. They had started uh, what's now known as Cascade East Transit, and it was a bus a bus bus routes that were linked to the Bend um, system and expanded to service through throughout Central Oregon, and even, I believe, Cascade East Transit. Do you, st- st- do you go all the way up to Portland? Uh, we do not. We go as far as Warm Springs. Warm Springs, okay. But basically, it is a Central Oregon bus system that and operates uh, uh, along with BAT. So, um, at any rate, shortly after that, uh, at, at, a certain t- at a certain point, I can't remember when this was exactly, maybe you guys know BAT, uh, the city basically shifted a lot of the BAT management stuff to COIC. Uh, and BAT, Ben still pays into COIC to help cover some of the costs, of course. And around that same time, shortly after uh, that, the Cascade East workers voted to join Local 757, but they're in a separate local from BAT. So today there are two Local 757 units, uh, what I'll call BAT and Cascade East, and they have separate contracts with COIC. So I think that's a fairly accurate history that I far as you guys know, is that uh, pretty good?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a good recollection of uh, the history of our transportation in the area. Uh, currently, we do operate under COIC for the entire transportation for the network of the area, um, including the Bend area uh, and then all the outlying. We do go, like you'd said, from Warm Springs all the way to Lapine and then from Sisters uh, all the way into Prineville. So if you live in Central Oregon and you need
0: transportation, uh, Cascades East Transit is where you'd go. Right. And they can connect up with you at the Hawthorne Street Station, right? Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah.
1: Correct. Yep, Going into Lapine or into right. Redmond and connecting. Um, you can use the fixed routes in Bend or the Dial Ride and then go uh,
0: anywhere in Central Oregon from there. Right. Yeah. And you told me that you have, there are about 48 workers in, in your bargaining unit?
1: Yeah, correct. That's uh, covering for the Cascades East Transit. We cover the drivers that operate the vehicles, the call takers that set up ride requests and uh, do customer service, our dispatch center. Um, We also actually branch out into uh, Cascades East Ride Center. Some of our represented members handle the call center for that, which uh, establishes the brokerage for OHP Medicaid transportation for Deschutes-Jefferson and Crook County. Um, So if you uh, use OHP travel benefits, then you're talking to one of our members on the phone when you're setting up those
0: rides. And do you know how many people are in the other unit, the uh, Bend Area Transit, how many workers are employed there?
2: The total with both units is
0: about eighty-five. So eighty-five total, forty-eight okay. NRs, and uh, you have to do the math. Right. So, so yeah. So there's a significant number of of. Uh, transit workers here in central oregon uh which uh i think a lot of a lot of people don't really know that your union at all i mean you know nurses at st charles have been in a union for 25 years or something and mm-hmm. most people in central oregon probably don't even know that you know exactly. because because unfortunately unions don't really get a lot of a lot of media attention or a lot of focus uh, uh in the media about about what they're about well the uh, uh,
2: the amalgamated transit union that we're a local of, 757, um, handles TriMet. Uh, they have members across Oregon and southern Washington. Far south is Medford. And um, they are uh, – a lot of the members are in the same uh, jobs that we are, the right. drivers of TriMet and, and uh, on the MAX also in Portland, and then uh, call takers, schedulers, um, dispatchers, right. all of those – are represented by the union,
0: and are, were either of you or both of you? Were you around when when uh, when the union first first won uh, a contract at, with uh, Cascade East?
1: Uh, yes, correct. I started right as the initial organizing effort was going in for the Cascades East transit portion about four years ago. Uh uh-huh. um, So that was kind of a an exciting moment to see that we were getting representation coming in, especially with a company that's got. Hundred plus years of experience in the transportation industry uh, coming in to help uh, this area where transportation is was such a new idea. I mean, it was hard to find people in the area that had transportation experience. Right. So getting that knowledge and that support uh, with all that history, uh, it really helps a lot.
0: Yeah. And so you were here that that, that uh, Union Drive was four years ago.
1: Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: How did that go? Did was there was there much in the way of employer resistance
1: uh, from? I came on board right as that was going on, Um, so I wasn't fully involved uh, when I was first hired. Uh, I wasn't included until we did the voting. From what I had heard, uh, based off the individuals that were active in the union at that moment, there was a a good amount of turmoil, uh, but ultimately it won in favor of uh, union representation and it's been a great
0: thing to have ever since. So, so once the once the election was held four years ago, um, you you were able to get right into bargaining a first contract.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. they uh, bargained that first contract, and um, with any organizing effort, uh, you got to start somewhere. And a first contract's never the greatest thing, but it's really important to get in the door and uh, get something a foundation to build on. And this opportunity we had just recently to negotiate the the successor agreement to that was just an incredible opportunity to really improve things.
0: right for our listeners, first contracts are always a struggle, and I used to work for the United Electrical Workers Union way back in the day and, and in the some, this is, I wasn't there when this happened, but but when the United Electrical Workers, when they first negotiated and won a contract with General Electric, which was this huge company the the contract was essentially the company's employees' employee handbook plus a wage schedule. And it was just like getting in the door, right? You know, yeah. it was like this is good this is our starting point, you know. That's exactly and, what we had. That's pretty much similar
1: <laughs> to what we had. There were a few small tweaks, but uh, the main focus was just getting an agreement from both sides that w- we have an obligation to each other um, and something to build
0: a future on. Right. And I think that that's all really important because I think that I've I've long believed that union contracts uh are as can be as beneficial to managers especially mid managers as to union workers because it's very clear what the rules are what the how you're going to operate and how you're going to function and everybody if they're paying everybody's paying attention to and adhering to the contract things run a lot smoother
1: yeah absolutely the whole function of the union is for the workers to come together and collectively make sure they have a safe, happy place to work. They enjoy coming to work, and they get the benefits that allow them to balance their life. And as management, like you're saying, if you've got a workforce that's happy and their needs are met, then you have a more productive workforce. So it definitely, it benefits both sides.
0: That's right. And Thomas, how long have you worked at uh, with there?
2: I'm going on uh, three years now.
0: Have you worked in a union environment before?
2: I had not. Uh, I had not, no. I hadn't been a member of the union before. Um, I'd always, um, since uh, learning about unions in school, um, one of our required readings was uh, 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 Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. Oh, right. And, um, you know, that showed how unions actually ended up leading to, you know, worker safety laws and, Food safety laws, and right. you know, with those nasty stories about the stockyards and everything. But yeah,
0: Chicago stockyards—that's a book that'll open your eyes. <laughs> yeah,
2: and uh, so just uh, you know, grasping the basic concept of a union. And um, my uh, father had worked in a uh, a union shop. So interesting enough, though, he never became a, a member because it was an open shop. Open shop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, uh, knowing of unions and and their Empowering of workers, you know, to get basic human rights. Basically, right. Um, that uh, that's why I became active in the union here.
0: And you, and you, you're the shop steward. You said mm-hmm. so. As as, and I want to ask you too, Jake. But as shop steward, what's your what's your role in the union? Um, to uh, talk to the members, uh,
2: answer any questions that they might have, um, if uh, there is a possible uh, disciplinary action. If Jake isn't available to be in a meeting, I can be serve in that stead. Um, you know, basically educating people on the, their rights and what, the, what our rights are under the contract. And um, also we were um, – those work that I did and Jacob did and go, just going member to member uh, regarding this new contract – Finding out what people, was, what their main concerns were, right. and uh, you know, with the, any questions that they had about the uh, negotiating process,
0: and and your role as chief steward, uh, Jacob.
1: Yeah, as the local union liaison, I'm responsible to make sure that both sides of the line adhere to the contract. Uh, that we're upholding our end of the contract, and the employers upholding their end of the contract, and then also uh, any of our members that have concerns about what's going on in the workplace. Uh, if they're not being addressed appropriately or if they just have questions and they want me to look into that, they can come to me and then I can kind of act as a uh, liaison between a, a represented employee and management in the company to make sure that everything's handled and make sure that
0: everything's copacetic. So if there's any grievances that unit workers have, obviously you all play a role in, in potentially filing grievances and talk, sitting down with management.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Our main goal is to not have grievances, to try to resolve everything um, amicably before that happens because it's just they're expensive. No one wants them. They're time consuming. Um, Generally, you can find a mutual resolution that satisfies all parties as long as there's that open communication, which is key is just facilitating that open communication to let someone know that there's an issue or something that needs to be addressed.
0: And then it's usually not very hard uh, to get that resolved. So this contract that you just bargained is that? So you had a first contract about four years ago. Is this your second or your third contract then? That this, this is our second contract. Second contract. The first
1: time we've gone in and renegotiated. Right. Um, So still we're in baby steps. We're building that foundation. Uh, It takes a lot of time and work, but eventually, you you get something golden.
0: So this is a three-year contract correct yeah we yeah.
1: uh set it out we actually went into, longer i think we went four years four and, a half. Uh, four and four and a half years it goes until december of 2021 mm-hmm. Oh, okay um, All so right. we work to really secure future wage increases um, and protections for the collected
0: group uh, going into the unknown future so when did you when did bargaining actually begin on this contract when did you first start sitting down with with management Uh, The
1: previous contract ended June of last year, um, so then we sat down shortly thereafter and went into negotiations, uh, which turns out to be a rather long process. Right. Um, At first, I didn't realize how long of a process it can be, but sitting down with some of the other other groups in uh, ATU 757 from Portland uh, and other regions, I've heard some of them have been in negotiations for the better part of two years or longer. So um, ours ended up just resolving uh, a, over a month ago, and uh, so it was about a, almost a year worth of negotiations, and uh, it can really drag out, uh, which right. isn't, isn't good for anyone. Uh, trying to get a quick resolution and everyone to come to terms right away is, is always the best effort, but uh, level heads don't always prevail.
0: So you worked for several months without a union contract mm-hmm. after your contract had expired, but there was no effort to under, undermine the the that contract i mean the the conditions of that contract remained in effect
2: yes yeah um yeah it stayed in effect as we were negotiating but like you said it you know it can drag on but fortunately we were finally able to resolve this uh uh fairly recently this is the best deal for COIC in our history and that's why the members did overwhelmingly approve it there's only like 3 maybe 3 votes against it yeah and um It involves us uh, working along with the uh, president and the vice president of our union, who came down from Portland for a lot of these sessions.
0: Right. that was Vice President John Hunt, and the president is Shirley, what's her last name? Shirley Block. Shirley Block, right. I've never met Shirley, but John, of course, was active in the organizing at BAT uh, several years ago. And, and, uh, yeah, I think he's a decent guy. I really kind of like John. Yeah, they're both incredibly passionate.
1: They're very supportive and passionate. And it's really good, to, especially when you're going uh, against a decertification, like you had mentioned, it's really good to have that uh, support and that encouragement right. uh, from individuals that have experience, um, especially both of us being new to this and just kind of
0: jumping in right, uh, right before negotiations uh, of a contract. It was good to have their support and knowledge. So so there's like two things here that we I want to try and talk about. One is is what you got out of the contract mm-hmm. and, you know and that which is really the important piece but also the 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 decertification that that sort of so what so you were in bar if let me correct me if i'm wrong so as i understand it you were in bargaining and then the the decert just kind of how, how did you learn about the decert and when
1: uh, we actually received notification um that there was a official decertification petition filled, um from the Labor Board, Um, and then it just went from there. Uh, And you were in
0: the middle of bargaining when that was...
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It was a really unfortunate uh, episode that it happened. We had a couple of union members who had some pretty minor concerns about the bargaining process, and instead of discussing those with the rest of our members, they decided to jump straight into filing a cert petition. Um, And then what had happened is it just steamrolled uh, into... The, during negotiations, nothing is changing, so um, you have individuals that are unsure of what the future holds. Right. Um, so that's why it's important to, to get that done as quickly as possible. Uh, but eventually, we did overcome the decertification effort, uh, just talking with members, reaching out to them, letting them know that right now what we're doing is we're fighting for those benefits you want, and we're fighting for the improvements that you want. Um, Let's see what we can get and uh, hear us out. And a lot of our members came together, Um, a lot of individuals very enthusiastic about the union itself and the representation and protections it provides, Uh, really worked together to uh, rally everyone
0: and uh, vote to maintain representation. So the two of you, Jacob and and Thomas, you were both actively involved in a lot of, I imagine, a lot of one-on-one and and – after work meetings with members yeah, to, to convince old, them to stick with the union.
2: Good old-fashioned member-to-member organi- organizing, and we listened to the concerns about the, the process and answered the questions that we could, and we talked honestly about you know what a difference the union makes. And one of the biggest things for me was if you have a union and you have some bargaining power and representation – why would you want to throw all of that away and leave yourself strictly at the mercy and, and whims of management? You know, having the uh, difference in your lives about the union. This is all benefiting. You know, we have members who are single moms. They live all over Central Oregon. Uh, they're you know the folks who are listening were your your neighbors, and you know there probably be friends of friends that you know who are, are right. union members, and this has all a, been a very positive thing to. Benefit the community, and you know, that's COIC's mission statement is you know, the economic and the development of quality of life in the communities that they serve, you know. So, this is just another
0: facet of that, benefiting right. the employees of COIC, right? Yeah, but so, what but what was it? I mean, can you remember? I'm sure you can't. What, what was it like when all of a sudden you're in bargaining, and then, then you hear, like, holy moly, you know, there's this dessert happening that must have been like. It was like a little
1: a, stressful. It was a tra- it was absolutely a train wreck. Um, <laughs> it compounded into the fact that as soon as uh the official decertification petition was filed and uh, ATU as well as COIC received notification of that, uh COIC completely pulled out of negotiations. Yeah. Um, so at that point, it was really uh, it was a it was good and bad. It was good to go to the membership and let them know that hey, with this decertification on the table, we cannot make progress um, in our negotiation efforts to improve things. Uh, so that was really good. A lot of people realized that we want to get back to the negotiations table and make progress, see what can be done. Uh, so at first, it definitely it threw everything off track. But like Thomas was saying, um, just reaching out, talking to individuals, it was easy to get past that. And then get we got right back into negotiations. And the first meeting after the decertification was defeated we uh, had a tentative agreement
0: that ended up being our official contract so it It, went quick it it, it happens this way a lot when st charles or when uh workers at when after st charles bought the hospital in prineville um small much smaller hospital obviously uh and the and the union came the nurses union was trying to organize over at the prineville hospital essentially the same kind of. there was a desert everything stopped the hospital obviously just – the employer just sat back kind of hoping for the best, right, mm-hmm. hoping that the D-cert would f- prevail and they wouldn't have to bargain with anybody. And then once that D-cert over there was roundly defeated, St. Charles immediately came back to the table and just said, okay, we're going to bargain. So what do you remember what the um, the vote was on the D-cert? No, I, I don't. I know that we had more than,
1: um, more than half – of the total yeah. membership. It, it just goes based off individuals that actually participate in the, the vote for that. Right, right. So you may have a very small turnout. So it right. might be won or lost by a very small portion of your collective membership. But we actually had a majority, uh, more than half of our total membership, voted to maintain representation, which really showed that solidarity that we have, which, like you're saying, that kind of brings power uh, to the negotiations table when you get back in there. Uh, that the company has a serious uh, opposition. You have right. a collective desire uh, yeah. for the change.
0: Yeah. with I don't know if you want to go into it. Was there any indication that, that management was involved in sort of pushing the desert forward, or was it really it was just some members that were?
1: Uh, I would say it's not really necessary to go into that. The, okay. fact, is, yeah, I'm the, sorry. the fact is that we're still represented. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. We won an awesome
0: contract. All right. yeah. so, uh, Fair question, though. It's so
2: <laughs> the the key phrase we've been waiting to use is, we didn't want to throw anyone under the bus. Exactly, right <laughs> on. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, really. I understand that totally. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have asked you that question. But anyway. So, so then, okay, so the desert you 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 beat back this desert which is tremendous and then you're right back at, in bargaining and you said you you negotiated a con- the contract in that next session? Yes. Exactly. Uh
1: one benefit to the desertification effort is it really ramped up our meetings with the members, our discussions, um, and allowed us to really get a collective voice of the most important topics and the most important change that the collective group wanted. That way, when we went back into negotiations, we were all on the same page of this is, this is a priority and this is what we want, which made it very uh, efficient, very effective to say this is what we want, we're unwavering on this, uh, and allowed us to have a little bit m- more give and leeway on some of the things that the company wanted, uh, which is ultimately getting an agreement uh, where everyone can walk away happy, and uh, we walked away ecstatic with what.
0: Well, it yeah. sounds like you, you were able. to you, It sounds to me like you were really able to utilize this effort to derail the union to your advantage and really reach out to the rank and file. I mean, it's really, it's really. A, I think what you're describing um, is really, in my view, is the way that. That unions need to function uh, and and often, unfortunately, that, you know, and I've seen experience, seen situations in other communities where where they don't, where it's very top down. But it sounds to me like you're very you were very involved with your membership in terms of re- and recognizing that you had to talk to as many people as possible to turn them, to make sure that you could that you could get back to the table and win them. And you did. You were able to win. Tell us about the contract. The, yeah. the economics and, he and does anything a else. More specifics.
1: Uh, yeah, one of our major focuses was getting our uh, transit operators, our bus drivers, up, uh, up to a living wage and up to a fair market wage of what uh, individuals with CDLs um, in that skill set are making in the area and around the state uh, for that classification specifically. Our drivers, we were able to obtain uh, a sixteen, just over sixteen percent wage increase, uh, starting this July. So um, that's that's a sixteen percent wage increase, immediately. Immediately, as of July. That's going amazing. Forward. It is, <laughs> and and it is amazing. In in context, it was a step in the right direction of getting them up to par with where they should be. Right. Um. So it definitely, uh, it, it was it showed respect to them in their profession. Right. Um. And then across the board, we were for all uh, other classifications we were able to obtain between a 6 and 9% uh, wage increase in in July and then uh, maintain uh, modest increases over the next four years of the contract as well so people can plan for their future and know that as the cost of living goes up, uh, so will their take-home pay. Um, Anyone listening to this that lives in the central Oregon area knows exactly the struggle that all of our members are going through with just trying to stay in your home uh, with the cost of living around here. You need to be able to earn the money. Um, we had some drivers that working as many hours as they could get uh, are still having to take payday loans to buy food and uh, use the services provided by local food banks. And that's something that we wanted our membership to be able to work hard work full time uh, when possible, work as many hours and be able to sustain themselves to live a good life.
0: Right. And, and you know, I mean, I think driving a bus is something that, you know, it's 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 a sad situation for for everyone when when drivers have to work ex, extra hours and work long shifts and things like that. Oh, because it's a tire it's a tiring job. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And safety. I mean, the number one thing exactly. we want is anyone that's on our our buses to be safe, um, and that's a major priority. And if you have drivers that are having to work uh, extra hours beyond a full time shift just to make ends meet, uh, at that point you're sacrificing safety,
0: and it's not beneficial to anyone. Right. And uh, I am here oh, huh. with uh Jacob Foster, who's chief steward Welcome of Local 757 America. Amalgamated Transit Union at Cascade East Transit at COIC Central Oregon Intergovernmental Council. But uh, riders are going to know it as Cascade East Transit, and I'm also with, uh, Thomas Sunetta, who is the shop steward uh, for the local here, they represent uh approximately 42, you said, workers, 42? I'd say bit, around 48, maybe. 48, I'm sorry, yeah, 48 mm-hmm. uh, workers over there. There's a total of 85 transit workers here in, uh, public transit workers here in central Oregon. And so we, we, we during the break, we were talking, what did you want to, you wanted to bring up? Uh,
1: yeah, it's, uh, you were discussing the decertification effort um, and kind of what impact that has. Uh, one major impact we saw out of that was a lot of individuals who uh, were participating in the decertification effort, mainly because they weren't at all involved in the union. Um, they, they didn't bring themselves to participate in the union, which the number one thing I can say to anyone listening is, if you're represented by a union or you have the opportunity to be represented by a union, um, that's your voice. Get involved, even if you don't think it's what you stand for. Just get involved and, and make it be what you stand for. Make it work for your benefit. Um, those sure. individuals, they end up getting the same benefit out of the efforts of the negotiations. They get the same pay raises, job security benefits. That's right. Um, so they see that even though they didn't maybe support what was going on, uh, in the end it does benefit them greatly, and you have a lot of individuals that realize that there is actually um, a benefit to union representation. So it really helped us kind of bring a larger group together than before.
0: And so you were able to negotiate not only these huge initial first year first uh, first year increases that are going to go into effect in July, you said, correct? Yeah, but also over the next several years there will be st- there'll be increases in wages for it's a how long is a contract again? Four years for, for four, four years, yeah. yeah. And then each year there'll be a cost of living increase. Uh, that
1: way, each individual can assure themselves. That they'll be able to keep up uh, with what's
0: happening around here, and it was ratified overwhelmingly, and people got a thousand dollar signing bonus. Correct. Uh, yeah, all uh, represented members employed uh,
1: on the date it was ratified ended up getting a thousand dollar bonus um, in that's in lieu of back pay uh, because ultimately we should have been making more money right. when the contract expired, and since it that's a good way of explaining Since it took a it. year uh, mm-hmm. to get this wage increase approved, partially yeah. because of the decertification effort. Right. Um, it was just that. to make everyone whole. that yeah. They missed out on those benefits. So uh, kind of really, and it helps uh, everyone now getting a payment like that. I bet. It was just, a, they just got a check, right? Uh, yep, they will. We just uh, finished and it got ratified. So I believe hopefully in the upcoming pay period, everyone should see a little bit of extra take-home.
0: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. That's just fabulous.
2: And it's, you know, um you know, we look at it as, you know, definitely a very nice benefit for our members and stuff. But I also look at uh, for CUIC, it's actually going to save them a little bit of money because it would have been more oh, for yeah. individual if it was retroactive pay all the way back to right. June of last year. Yeah, when right. you're
1: talking about a 16% increase when it's over a year's time period, um, it definitely does save money. Um, but it still shows that there's the appreciation for the work that's been done over that past year. Uh, waiting to get that
2: increase
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah
2: yeah so i think it worked out well for for both sides
0: and uh, any anything else in addition to the in, in addition to the wages are there any other um, new any things that are in the contract that were improved uh, mainly
1: we used the opportunity to uh, clean up and clear up the language that was in the contract as you'd stated um and we discussed A first contract is just a foundation sometimes they're very rough Um, And and there's a lot of room for interpretation, but uh, we took this as an opportunity to clean up that language. And then uh, as I was going about the desert effort, putting the focus on what's the most important thing to our membership, overwhelmingly, it came out as wages, uh, which actually made it very easy for us to go back into negotiations and say that as of now, uh, our membership's willing to continue under similar contract to what we have now as long as we meet the wage needs uh, for the cost of living around here. Uh, so we didn't need a lot of change in other areas, but that's something to put on the burner for next time we go into negotiations.
0: Right, exactly. You know, uh, one of the unions that I worked for, worked for when I lived in New York City, the secretary treasurer would, would always say after after a contract was ratified, he would say to the members, "And bargaining for the next contract starts tomorrow." Yep, <laughs> that's, know, mm, that, that's absolutely true. You know, that, that, you know, and the other thing that he would always say was, um, "Did we get everything that we wanted?" No, and that's why we got to keep fighting for it. You know, we just got to keep. You know, we, we we always need to keep moving forward. And you know, you talked about, the, you know, the the different. I mean, that shows, dear listener, it shows the difference between the struggle in, in getting a first contract often. You know, it doesn't necessarily meet uh, the economic expectations or even the, or the economic needs of, of the employees. But as the union gains strength over time and gains support over time, that second contract and that third contract can, be, can have some dramatic improvements. And you've gotten employees uh, under your uh, union contract into some really decent wage levels now compared to the rest in this community.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, We made sure that no represented member under COIC with ATU 757 is making under $14 an hour. We put that in as um, uh, the minimum wage for any of our classifications. And even at that, we're still uh, looking at the future of keeping up with the cost of living. Uh, I believe Thomas uh, has information on what... The cost of living is around here a living wage
2: oh yeah for even uh just a uh, single person in deschutes county it's uh, uh, about 1880 an hour right and then if you put one person working and one person not then it goes up to like 24 an hour
0: right yeah which is so, why we have there's so many families here where both people have to work full-time mm-hmm. in our, in, and we've had kids and... you
2: know some of our members uh i guess in a way myself included uh, I play music locally, with a couple of different groups and stuff. But that's a second income that I really need, you know. With what right. uh, with what we make in order to try and, and make it here in Central Oregon, I've always had at least one other job. You know, I used to do moving part time, and uh, in addition to the music, and um, we had a member who was actually thought he could handle uh, working at Walmart for five hours before his regular eight-hour shift right you know so it's, somebody's needing to work 13 hours a day because he's got a you know a wife and and right. three kids at home you know and so that was a big push for us to try and get some wage increases for the membership
0: who yeah, do you play know? music with
2: uh my group is thomas teen and the blue chips and i've actually been oh, on the center you've been on stage. center stage yeah. before <laughs> and uh, also michael minneny is a friend oh okay
0: supporter. yeah yeah yeah
2: and uh uh then another group is called the blue sticks and we do acoustic blues music
0: yeah i know I who play, they
2: yeah. play an upright bass with that and oh then, do you okay um six pack is another group that i'm playing with the over. blue sticks who else is in that band uh, Jim Roy and uh, Steve Baudry. Okay. So he's the harmonica player that I play with, and then also I appear as a duo with um, Stu Kinzel,
0: who's in the Blue Chips oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, no, I, great yeah. guitar player. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. He he played at uh, Kinzel and Hyde played at one of our events uh, over at the Cask over at the community center a few months back.
2: Oh yeah, 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 sure. yeah. That was with
0: the, me. <laughs> that was that, the
2: Blue Sticks. Yeah, yeah. It was for the High Desert Home yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I thought you looked familiar.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, kind off. of an old fart, so I, you know, I'm not always sure. <laughs> you know,
0: but, This guy looks familiar. Yeah, no, That's we closed it. out the show. And that yeah, was a, exactly. That, that was a really great fun. set. Mm-hmm. That was fabulous. Uh, that was really great. So, uh, yeah, but you talk about, we talk about the living wage you mentioned. And, I mean, just uh, a couple of, just last week uh, uh, in, in May, I, I came across an article at uh, KTVZ about how and the headline is low wages make it tough to fill jobs in Central Oregon, and it's about you know employers who are basically and there's only a couple that are mentioned here, but basically talking about how they're having difficult difficulty getting people to take jobs because people want more money. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <duh>. absolutely, <laughs> yeah, know? we're right in that
1: bucket. Uh, we're short. We're short drivers. It, if you want to drive a vehicle and you're looking for work, great place to work. Good pay now, starting
0: in July. Cascades East Transit. A- absolutely. I mean, the minimum wage here in Deschutes County on July first is going to go from 10, 10 and a quarter an hour up to ten seventy five an hour, and in Crook and Jefferson County, it's going to go up to ten fifty an hour. And you are well above that when you when you take in a week's work. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're like three three or four dollars more.
1: Exactly. Um, and then you look that we employ individuals in all three counties, so right. um, you're making. A lot more, uh, especially if you're living in one of the counties that has a lower minimum wage. Um, with a uh, contract negotiations, we're able to make sure that everyone is uh, up at the highest wage possible, uh, no matter where you live. Because we know it's difficult to stay in your home around here uh, with the low wages that a lot of companies offer.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, and, I, and I, yeah. Go ahead. I'm
2: sorry. And to me now, you know, the uh, some people have been talking about the proposed. Uh, national minimum wage of fifteen dollars an hour—that doesn't sound so ridiculous to me,
0: right? You no, it's—I think it's a reasonable number. I—I right. I, I think it's a as a minimum. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean uh, the mi- minimum wage doesn't need to be a starvation wage by any means and and mm-hmm. and you know, and it's and it's but you know, it's it's a floor if that were a floor that we were starting from. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody, you know, cuz other raise other wages when the, when the minimum wage goes up in this, you know, like when it goes up to 10.75, obviously as you know, that's going to impact a lot of other people who are in who are making 11 or 12 bucks right now. Everybody's Everybody's boat is going to be rising with this with the tide. And you know when that, that happens in every community where there's active union membership. That's right.
2: When the unions are able to negotiate higher wages, it benefits everybody, not just union members. Absolutely, because it does raise the the you know the cost of doing business. I basically right. You know uh, around the country. Exactly, okay. it allows them
1: to compare to other workers. Uh, one thing on that note is our uh, the other atu 757 workers you had mentioned the separate group here that does the bend area provides the transportation on the fixed routes and the dial right there uh they're currently in negotiations right now for their next contract um and us being able to settle ours beforehand will really help them uh hopefully get their wages up to a livable level as well so they can really use anyone's support uh to get something finalized that benefits them all
2: the Ride the River is going to be coming up again. Right. And there was like 12,000 riders a month last year. And uh, it was very, very successful, very well utilized. Um, people can put in at the, um, I think it's the Riverbend Park.
1: Yeah, I know they're making some changes to it this year that they'll post um, as soon as they have that figured out on our website. Um, but, yeah, we we need, like Tom was saying, we, need, mm-hmm. we could use drivers. Uh, a lot of people don't know that we run Ride the River. We right. run the Lava Butte shuttle that takes people up to Lava Butte. Uh, we were running the Mount Bachelor bus going up to Mount Bachelor. So um, our members are driving everywhere. If you've been on public transportation uh, of any sort in Central Oregon, um, you've ridden with one of our members. Yeah. we are
2: going to do the, uh, the Ride Bend, the free bus. Oh, okay. That yeah, goes we'll... through the downtown area into the Old Mill. They're going to do that again this summer. Right. And they'll need drivers for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. So you you've with your contract bargaining you have managed to uh create some really good paying jobs for people. So if you're out there folks and you're looking for I mean there's a certain amount of training and testing that goes on when you become a driver, right? I mean you do you can't just like they'll provide it. Yeah, no, that's what I up. mean. Yep, absolutely. But, yeah, absolutely. They'll yeah.
1: they'll get you going. Um yeah. and it's a great skill set to do. It's a very rewarding job. All of our drivers, our members that drive um they do it because they love it. Yeah. They don't. They don't do it because of the money. That just helps them balance and live their life. But they just love the clients they work with, the interaction with the public. Um, so it's it's a rewarding job.
0: Yeah, I, I I have a couple of friends who who have are people with disabilities who are really um, have some great rapport with drivers yep. in in the community. You know, in terms of being able to get around town and stuff, it's really important for them you know and and the whole yeah the whole i mean the dri- driver in any community really the driver rider relationship is a really a really strong one that develops over time, especially if you're a regular rider going you're commuting yeah absolutely you, know, you get to know that dr- drivers one of your one of your friends and the driver's helping every
1: individual fulfill their life they're helping them uh, do their daily tasks that a lot of people take for granted um, and then also it's an incredibly affordable way for people that maybe don't have to ride transportation, it's a really affordable alternative option, um, especially in Central Oregon. We've all seen what the traffic's doing. Yeah. Um, so, definitely, it is a great
0: opportunity. Yeah, public transit, you know, has been, it's been a real struggle here in Central Oregon to get people to understand it, you know. And there's this, you know, still this kind of notion out there that, oh, public transportation has to make a profit or whatever, and people who complain when they see a bus go by that doesn't have a lot of people on it. But, you know, I mean, the, the, you know, public transportation, there's an ebb and flow to, to people. I mean, you know, when I used to live in New York City, there'd be times when I could get on a subway and they'd be totally empty, too. But that doesn't mean that I didn't need that subway. Exactly, it's really good that it was running right at (laughs) that time. Exactly,
2: it was a perfect time for it to be running.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was exactly.
2: But our the ridership and the demands for transportation keep keep on increasing. Yeah, as more and more people are moving to the area, and then uh, going back to you know, just keeping the community moving and stuff, especially for. Uh, folks who are needing paratransit services. Right. All of our buses are equipped to take folks in wheelchairs. Yeah. And the uh, the dial ride service. I mean, at uh, you know, uh, at most two dollars and fifty cents for a ride for somebody who you know needs to use the lift or is in a wheelchair or on a scooter. Right. Uh, any of those types of uh, um, devices. Um, You can't get a a medical transport for somebody in a wheelchair for $2.50 for a trip. Yeah, There's no way. Exactly.
1: And then in all the rural areas, um, we have a dollar ride service as well that's open to the public, Um, no application process needed. If you need to ride somewhere, same absolute low minimal cost, uh, take you anywhere within our service area. Um, I would encourage anyone in the Central Oregon area to contact Cascades East Transit and see what kind of transportation benefits we can offer you.
2: You got a phone number? That's 541-385-8680. All
0: right. And and they could go to – there's a website? Press
2: press 1 for English or 2 for (laughs) Spanish. Okay. But then press 2 for the regular bus department. Yep. Or press 1 again for the Cascades East Ride Center if you're calling about paratransit service. What's the phone number again? 541-385-8680.
1: All right. And website CascadesEastTransit.com. Transit. dot com.
0: All right. I hope I hope your I hope your bosses are listening there You know, you're giving them a a, a plug for their business. So yeah, that's good. Absolutely. That's good. That's yeah. good you know. We mm-hmm. create jobs. That's right. Create well-paying, good, rewarding jobs for everyone. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you both, Jacob Foster and and Thomas Suneta, for coming in. Uh, anything more that you want to add? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, All I had was just
2: uh, – I was asked by a member recently, uh, you know, things seem to be going okay now. Why do we need unions anymore? And uh, I had found this list, and I'm not going to do all of them, but the basic working conditions and conventions that everybody's used to now – never used to exist before unions that's right and they fought for i mean just a, something as simple as having your weekend off right that we became about because of unions all your breaks at work including your lunch breaks 8 hour day paid mm-hmm. vacation fmla sick leave social security minimum wage civil rights act 8 hour work days overtime pay child labor laws and there's a bunch more you can that's look right. them up on the on the internet but yeah that's right. just reasons why we should have unions
0: yeah if you like having a weekend off listener blame the unions (laughs) (laughs) all right well thanks again really appreciate uh you guys coming in jacob foster who's the chief steward for local 757 of the amalgamated transit union representing the workers over at 48 and workers over at cascade east transit and thomas sunetta who is the shop steward and also a musician who's been on uh, KPOV and Mm -hmm. at KPOV Benefits many times. Thanks so much to both of you for coming coming on board. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you for having us. All right. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of central Oregon. For more information and a program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at KPOV.org.